0: Hey everybody, this is Dave Markowitz, your host, and you are listening to the Find Freedom Network podcast, the show that will help you find freedom. We interview people who have left liberal cities to move to areas that align more with their conservative family values. We also discuss what freedom means to businesses and help them get noticed in this new parallel economy. So sit back and watch or listen, and don't forget to please subscribe to our channel so we can spread the word about what finding freedom really means. Did you ever grow up in an area and one day look around and discover things are not the same anymore? That happened to my family, and I decided it was time to leave and find a better place. You see, the place I grew up in, Los Angeles, California, changed many of the core conservative values that I grew up with and I'd had enough. My passion has now become helping families with the same values and dreams as me find freedom and helping them move to a more conservative values state. That aligns with how they want to live and raise their family. If that's where you're finding yourself today, I would love for you to download my free ebook I wrote and published titled The New Cold War Red and Blue America Divided The Escape of the Lefty G to Find Freedom. This is where you can read my story and what led me to this point. Head over to www.thefindfreedomnetwork.com and download it for free. Again, go to www.thefindfreedomnetwork.com and download the ebook for free. You can also go to Amazon and get it there, too. And also, please remember to follow our podcast and the Find Freedom Network podcast on Spotify and Apple and all the other network podcasts where they can be found. And thanks again for listening. All right, everyone. It's Dave Markowitz, part of the Find Freedom Network podcast. And today I have the honor to meet a real American dairy farmer, Stephanie Nash. Hey Steph.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I am well. First, thank you so much. I know your time is really valuable and uh we appreciate it. So um I just want to give you guys a little brief background about who Stephanie is and what she's all about. So Stephanie is an ambassador for Charlie Kirk's organization, Turning Point USA. She's also a fourth-generation dairy farmer, originally from Central California. You escaped, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) Now living in Middle Tennessee, she studied dairy science at Fresno State, and Stephanie and her family moved to their farm in 2013 after regulations took a toll on her dairy farm. Stephanie believes in freedom and fighting for farmers across the United States. She uses her country music career as an advocacy to connect with people with similar lifestyles created through opportunities to share their stories through her series, The Life of a Farmer. Stephanie uses her platform to show importance of buying local and educating them on where their food comes from. Stephanie has been featured on Fox News and has been interviewed by Tucker Carlson numerous times about her knowledge of the family farm industry. Stephanie continues to bring awareness of what is happening to our family farmers and ranchers. She will continue to grow her platforms with a love for her farm and bring a new passion to those who want to support the agricultural industry. Steph, that's a lot to unpack. And um, I just want to get into, you know, all about the farming industry and what's going on um, and get into that. Um, First question I have is what actually inspired you to become a dairy farmer?
1: Um, Well, my... Parents and pretty much, you know, my whole childhood was about dairy farming. Growing up in the dairy industry, um, I really never strayed to another occupation. I was pretty set on being a dairy farmer, staying in the agriculture industry. Um, you know, growing up in a, on a dairy farm is, um, you know, a lot different from crops and you know, being a agriculture banker, or a lawyer, or anything like that. Um, so. You know, when we decided to move, I really wasn't looking to be a part of a different agriculture industry. I really wanted to stay in the dairy industry. And so that's kind of, you know, what brought all of this, uh, you know, our new dairy farm and and all my advocacy and where it is today.
0: That was um, your dad started the dairy farm or who was, I guess, your higher up who taught you everything?
1: Yeah. So my great, great grandpa actually started our dairy farm. Um, and so we, me being the fourth generation, so, uh, yeah.
0: So that's how, so, but you guys escaped California due to just all the regulations that, I know they were running out of water in the like San Joaquin Valley. Was that some of the issues you guys ran into as well?
1: Yeah, I think water was, you know, the top, top two reason regulations, um, you know, affordability of living in California is just so expensive um i was watching a video the other day and this girl was like i moved out of the south to a big city in los angeles you have to get your car checked you got to pay 400 dollars for like crazy things on your car and getting it you know um checked and everything so you know stuff like that little things like that people are like oh it's not that much but you moved to tennessee and you're like 25 dollars and you're like Whoa.
0: <laughs> it does. It's yeah. funny. It does add up. And I have to tell you a real quick story because when we moved, you know, we moved to Tennessee almost two years ago now from California, we escaped. But so when we first got here, we were doing our registration on our license plates and whatnot. And my wife goes out and calls me. She had to go do a smog check, which by the way, folks, the smog check has been taken away now in Tennessee. It's gone. But about a year and a half, she calls me. She goes, I think they made a mistake. They only charged me $11 on the smog check. And I said, what? And so for those of you that don't know, Smog check in California, it's one of the regulations. It's just everything that they keep hitting you on over the head with. And so, you know, California, it's like 60, 70 bucks. And in Tennessee, it was $11. So, yes, things are less expensive. And it all goes back to regulations. And it all goes back to how they're regulating you as a, as a farmer as well. You know, even federally right now, what's going on in the farming industry. Um, I want to talk to you about China. In terms of what is happening with, they're buying up all our, a lot of our farmland. What do you see, if you know any instinct, what's the reason that your, you know, your opinion on that is? What's going on here with China?
1: Um, yeah, so I feel like, you know, the last 10 years, we haven't protected our land and water availability here in the United States. It's so easy for foreign countries to go under the radar because they're owned by, you know, the USA companies, or they'll have a USA sticker saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing business here in the United States, but they have investors from other foreign countries. And so that's where, you know, people are starting to pay attention and ask questions like, who is invested into these big corporations or big government owned companies? Who's coming in buying up land? I know, for example, I had a woman the other day reach out to me, they're in Arkansas, And she was like, this company was out of New Jersey, but we found out that Bill Gates invested into this company and he bought up all this land. And I'm like, well, I'm not surprised because Bill Gates is on everybody's radar of how much land he is buying up. And so is China. And so now they're using different kinds of labels and names to get past that. Um, I believe that China is not very sustainable in their own food supply, um, And that is why they're looking for land across not only the United States, they're buying in other countries as well. And I think that's very dangerous, you know, with with countries like China, Um, you know, Canada owns quite a bit here in the United States. But I've told people I have a lot of friends and family in Canada that farm. And I think that's a good relationship to have because they are building farms. They are working with the United States on imports and exports. Um, You know, same with the Netherlands. You know, that's a big country um that we depend on so when it comes to countries like that i don't think it's a big threat um but when it comes to companies like china russia bigger foreign countries that do have uh food insecurity that's when you start asking questions
0: um i wasn't ask you about netherlands but you brought it up so they were having issues as well you know which has been in the news so netherlands is an issue um i, I know if this is true or not but i read that there's over 40,000 dairy farmers since 2000 2000- And three that were that are lost. Um, Why isn't the news talking about these issues? Can you get into that? And is it true? Is it true that you know so many have been lost in terms of at least dairy farmers?
1: Yeah. So it's been about forty-five thousand since two thousand three. Wow. You know that's when it comes to the news, it's a tricky subject because unfortunately, a lot of news broadcasters and news stations they really just don't understand agriculture. They don't know the topics. There's a lot of agriculture leaders out there that don't want to be political. They don't want to say what's on their mind. And so that puts us in a, in a position as family farmers and ranchers, um, you know, to speak out for ourselves, because what's happening right now is you have these big companies that are making a lot of money off of the small family farm rancher, and it's working out great for them. So when something does come, like the egg situation that we're facing right now, people are asking questions and They continue to try to cover it up because they're the ones that um, are gonna continue to make the money. And they don't want Americans to know that, you know, sixty percent of poultry is owned by big corporations. So when things happen like this, when we do have a virus in the poultry industry, it's hard to get eggs because the government controls it, these big corporations control it, and we have no rural communities to get eggs from. So that's that's the biggest problem with our country. If corporations, big government continues to take over like they are, we're going to have, you know, a a food supply issue.
0: How, what are you doing in terms of trying to fix that problem as, you know, uh, you're just one person, but you have a big voice and I know you have a big following. So what are you doing to kind of get the message out to, that we can at least stop or kind of change the flow at this point? Because again, if, if you probably asked seven out of 10 people about the farming industry, they wouldn't know anything and they would just... Again, it goes back to like you know my kids. They just think you go into a store, you pick everything off the shelf. They forget where really the food comes from, and that's because they, they they weren't brought up in it, and they're not they don't know about it. So, how do you change the mentality for young people to understand what is really going on in the farming industry in this country?
1: Yeah, so you know you talked about the life of a farmer. That's the YouTube series I have, and. You know, I haven't done too much in the past year with that because I joined the turning point organization and was working with them. And, you know, I'm really trying to work with that organization to make more content, to make videos, um, to go over subjects that they can put out there to their followers, because yes, I have a great following, but companies like that and organizations like that, they want to actually tell the truth. They want to expose what's happening and they have a huge following of Americans that do believe in freedom, that do believe in real information and believe in education our country because they think it's important. For me, I have always been a person that I'm not going to educate people if I don't know anything about it. I'm not a nurse, I'm not a police officer. I am not going to have an opinion out there in the world when I do not work that job. And I think our country has become about that. Just because they read something on Google Or they watch a video on the internet they feel entitled to that opinion and that's just you know that's something that our country needs to take a look at take a step back imagine a police officer in front of you and you're talking about his job when he's been doing it for 5 10 15 years for me as a dairy farmer i get activists and i get politicians and i get all these american people thinking they know what's best because they look at a video or read something on google and they think they're educated, and that's not true because a lot of that information on the internet is very misleading, and I think education is going to kill our country if we don't start to listen to people that are actually growing our food.
0: 100%. Um, It goes back to the egg situation now that you you were mentioning that, and you don't hear, you know, you hear there's a shortage. I want to know, you know, and I don't want to put my tin hat on right now because, you know, everyone talks about that, but why are a lot of these You know, egg producers. Why are all these incidents happening at all these locations, whether it's burning down or you're having all these crazy things happening to these little farms and egg producers out of the ordinary? Any any input on that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's not something new from the beginning of 21 to the end of 22. There's been 97 fires, accidents, explosions in the supply chain. And back in 2020, some of these farmers and ranchers and everyday Americans were like, Stephanie Nash is crazy. She's a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, I told you, I'm sorry, you know, and people are starting to listen. Yes, I'm pretty aggressive. I'm very passionate. I'm very honest. But at least somebody's standing up for us exposing these big companies, exposing what's going on in our country, calling out politicians, calling out corporations, you know, this is not a conspiracy theory anymore. We have a food security problem. We have a shortage of food supply and there is a government control hanging over us that we need to pretty much get rid of. You know, The government controls the food, control the people. I've always said that since I started my platform. I truly believe their end goal is to bring in plant-based because they can make billions of dollars off of it. I believe that they're being dirty, leaders and they're making deals with China and Russia and other countries and they're not protecting our food supply here. I really do believe that and you know there's a lot of you know industry people out there that truly they're like Stephanie you're a little too much I sell to these big corporations why do you have to sell to those big corporations? Why cannot our communities open up processing plants or open up you know more cafes more creameries more butcher shops why can't we do that? Nobody's stopping us. We can go ahead and do that. We need the correct permits. We need the good training. We need the people to open that store. But we should be doing that across our country. I truly believe if we were starting to go more independent, bottling our own milk, producing our own beef, producing our own eggs, we would not have this problem. But the government continues to say, you can't do that. You're not big enough. And if the people start to take over our food supply and control it, the government can't do anything anymore. And so that's a big thing that I'm fighting for is to get more processing plants in Tennessee to protect us as agriculture here in Tennessee. And you know, there's other states that are really gonna struggle with that, like California, like New York, even some in Texas. You know, people are like, well, that's a big beef state. And I'm like, well, they're just, they're not as protected as you think they are. And so I would just encourage people to open their eyes because we need more small family farmers and ranchers to produce and
0: provide for us. I agree 100%. In terms of the feed, like, let's go back again. I keep going back to the eggs because, you know, all of a sudden the chickens aren't producing eggs. And I heard recently about some of the, there's issues with the feed. I don't know if it was Purina or one of the big manufacturers. And as you started getting those chickens back onto, I guess, regular food, they started producing a regular feed, producing eggs again. Can you kind of talk about that? Because I'm sure you're having issues with feed as well for, you know, for your animals.
1: Yeah, so we don't have many feed issues for our dairy cows. We grow a lot of our own feed, so okay. we haven't ran into that. But I will say a couple of years ago, when we were transitioning from California, my dad thought it would be good to have the calves on a um, calf bottle system where they eat for themselves. We don't have to feed them, and it's like a little machine. But with, with that, you can't use your own pasteurized milk. You have to use a replacer, milk replacer. And so we started getting this powder from Farina. And it was honestly just crap, in my opinion. It was not good. We threw it away so fast. Um, And so I've made a lot of decisions, you know, even the co-op feed. I came back from college and I was like, the calves aren't growing. The calves aren't good on this kind of feed. Like, what's going on? And so I got rid of it. And we got, we've been using a local Tennessee uh, grain producer for a while. And it's just a big difference when you grow your own feed, when you're not in this monopoly of you know, you have to buy from these big corporations. That's that's a good, you know, way to use the local farmers, the grain farmers, the corn farmers to get your stuff from, because at least, you know, they're they're not dirty, uh, you know, big corporations. And so I'm not an egg producer. You know, I've heard a lot and I've talked to a lot of egg producers about the feed problem. There's a lot of them, um, but I can only talk about, you know, what I've been through in the past as a dairy farmer.
0: In terms of a dairy farmer, have you seen technology change the way you're doing you know, your daily activities over the last few years?
1: Yeah. Technology has always, you know, changed throughout the years. I don't know if the dairy industry is, is up, up there. I would say the beef industry is probably number one with genetics and technology that they've been, um, you know, integrating into their production and and processing. Um, You know, with dairy farming, it's always been like milking equipment, um, you know, how can we keep information on the computer when we do scan the cows, making sure they're healthy and strong, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's not much coming out new, I feel, for the dairy industry because there's not many of us left. Um, I think, if anything, the the big corporation investor farms are getting bigger. We're not losing cow numbers. We're not losing any milk supply. Um, but smaller family farmers and ranchers are definitely, you know, diminishing because of overall costs and not being able to keep up with technology is, is another thing, you know, they, they have all these fancy stuff out there, you know, that's, that helps us, you know, with, you know, monetizing everything and making sure all the cows are good and getting that highest production. But if you're a dairy farmer, you really can't afford it right now.
0: Can we get into um, all this carbon stuff they're talking about? And I know I saw you on, uh, on Tucker talking about the nonsense that's going on in France And I saw your episode where they put diapers and and masks on. But what's the real story with all this, you know? I mean, cows have been around forever. I mean, we can start getting into, you know, carbon footprint and all that. What's your what's your take on all this?
1: Yeah, so I am a firm believer that climate change is the biggest hoax in our country. I really do believe that. Like just look at the past 10 years of numbers that fluctuate up and down so aggressively. Every year, the government and activists and people, you know, really, I call them tree huggers, Mm. get money from the government to fight climate change. I mean, it's billions of dollars that they get. I mean, prime example is Bill Gates. You know, he makes a good amount of money on believing that climate change is a big issue. Is our world changing? Yes. Is it because of agriculture? Absolutely not. All these people out here that, Fight for wildlife and fight for, you know, just healthy soil and all this stuff. They're the ones building houses. They're the ones in New York City in their skyscraper. And they're the ones on their private jets going from place to place. So don't tell me that agriculture is killing our planet when you are the sole reason for why our Earth is changing. I think humans destroy our planet. Yes. Am I the best environmental stewardship? I think I'm pretty great. I don't think I'm the best, but I think I'm pretty great at when, you know, we recycle our sand, we reuse our water. We try not to use so much electricity if we don't have to, you know, dairy farmers and everybody, especially in the livestock industry, they want to save money. They want to do what's best for their animals and their land. And that's how we survive. Um, Again, going back to education, social media, you know, that's the biggest enemy. So when you look at carbon emissions and you know trying to save the planet and everything they put out there it's really believable it really is i've read some of these articles that are out there if you're a mom sitting at home and you, you're already kind of on the borderline you're probably going to go to the left with some of these crazy people that really do believe if you buy organic it's better for you or if you you know uh if non-gmo is on the label that's the one you should buy instead of the one next to it the labeling system, that's another topic that we can get on. But you know, that that's big in my eyes that it's broken because it's so manipulative that these big companies can put certain labels on it and they can price it up three to four more dollars. And you as Americans want to buy it because you think it's healthier for your kids, right. you think it's healthier for yourself. And you know, we've really scared the American people with our food supply. Instead of organic, instead of conventional, we grow the same product. We have mostly the same standards. I just choose to treat my cattle and I tell people all the time you choose to treat your kids or whatever you want to do when they're sick I think it's okay. So organic can't treat their cows but conventional can but you treat your children. So you you know it's a little bit hypocritical to me when people talk about it. Um you know we get we get tested about 5 times before it even comes off the truck. If there's oh. any any dose of antibiotics it is dumped immediately. So wow. people out there saying you know there's antibiotics added hormones that's the biggest lie of our country stop believing that it's it's not there same there was a post going around saying there was a discoloration and two beefs you know it just depends on the grade of beef like the color is not always going to be the same um you know just like your milk's not going to taste the same because you have fat free one percent two percent there's all different grades right? right people don't that and so when they want us to go you know, trying to be pushed into plant-based and that it's better for you. It's chemically grown. It's made in a lab. It's actually worse for the animals because they're experimenting on them to take the cells from the animal and make this plant-based just junk pretty much. So, you know, I I don't like the word emissions. I don't like to talk about it because I'm not going to be the farmer to work with all these crazy people that think we're the enemy. I'm just going to tell Americans how it is. And I think that's why I've separated my stuff myself from some advocates, because, you know, I I love that they're trying to work with some of these companies. But in the end, if if plant based is making a lot more money, and if they can get grants from the government for being environmentally friendly, they're going to take it and they're going to use it as the enemy. And so I'm tired of being the enemy.
0: That's absolutely right. It's all about where can we get the money? Where's the next grift coming from? And it it all I always say always goes back to common sense. We always grew up on common sense. We should go back to common sense. And I think we've lost common sense in this country. And um, the the labeling issue is an interesting. And you're, I know you're, you're sparked for time here, but I really didn't think about that. But that whole labeling issue is because what do people look at when they go into a store? And it's easy for them to have an app on their phone and say, okay, what is this? Is this good or bad? But who's regulating all that? It goes back to, like you said, Big brother, the government, if they're still regulating all this stuff, we know at this point, how can we believe it? And yeah. so you have to make your right decisions coming down to common sense. And I think, you know, as American farmers, I think they all knew from the beginning what is common sense and how to, you know, do it from the, the real way of, you know, proper ways of raising the animals in, in a kind way as well. So all this stuff from the left coming, oh, we, we, you know, we're, we're doing bad things to animals. You know, it's, it's a bunch of BS. It's a yeah. bunch of BS. And, and I think, you know, we're the voices need to be like yourself, which, which are telling people what it is because without people like you, there are no voices to, to spread the information because someone that's not yeah. a farmer will not know what's going on unless you educate them. And that's what you're, you're educating basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I've always been very independent, very outspoken as a person. And at first when I started advocating, you know, my dad was, my, my dad was really afraid. He's like, people are going to come after us. They're, you know, they're, they're going to do, you know, awful things. And, you know, advocating, I think the first time I was on Tucker Carlson, we got about 300 emails and one was bad saying, I will never visit your creamery again. And I thought, 300 emails and one was bad. That's pretty dang good for Tennessee. Um, and, you know, my, you know, I still get calls from California people in agriculture just saying to keep going, keep advocating. My my advocacy in the agriculture industry is very different. It is very opposite of what's, of what most women in agriculture are doing right now. They are not politically out there. They are not exposing regulations. They are showing their lifestyle. They are, you know, working with these companies that are, I think, trying to destroy us. And, you know, I think we need all types of advocacy. But again, I'm, I'm just tired of being the enemy. I'm tired of people lying to Americans about our industry. And, you know, when I joined Turning Point, I knew I knew what it was going to do. I knew I was going to get canceled. I knew agriculture companies probably didn't want anything to do with me. Um, but I think Americans are listening. I think with What is happening to our country? We need some like harsh love sometimes. We just need a good wake up call. And so,
0: love is right. Yeah. yeah. Tough love is right. Yeah. Do you, let's talk about your farm before you go. Do you give tours and stuff? How can people support you with your farm? Yeah.
1: So, we um, have a creamery an hour outside of Nashville. It's called Nash Family Creamery. We um, have the store. You can have lunch and dinner. Uh, We're open Tuesday to Sunday. And then we also do farm tours starting in April. So if you guys want to, you can go to um, NashCheeseCo.com, NashCheeseCo.com or NashFamilyCreamery.com to take you to our website under cheese. Um, And then we're also doing summer camp this year for kids 7 to 12. Um, I wanted to open up a bigger experience. We've done summer camp um, twice in the last, uh, two years, but it was just a day thing. You know, it was just like a couple of kids this year. I hope to have about 400 kids within 400 weeks. Wow. Um, uh, I really just want to open up that to the community, ask your kids, Hey, like I know, you know, sometimes educational stuff being on a farm, it's dirty. It's not the greatest lifestyle, but I've found with, uh, you know, 95% of these kids, they'll come, they're like, this is gross. By the end of the day, they're getting in there, getting dirty, starting to love it. And so you just need to push them. Don't be scared to push your kids sometimes into the agriculture industry, because even if they live in the house or if they were a COVID kid or whatever, you know, they're they're going to explore and they're going to find something that, that touches their heart. I mean, who doesn't love a baby calf and loving on it and feeding it milk? I mean, that's where I get most of all of them to want to come back and work with me. But yeah, it be every Tuesday, Thursday, 8.30 to 4 p.m. And we have four weeks that we're doing that in the summertime.
0: Perfect. If you can just text me all that in terms of the uh, websites, I will put it in the show notes so people can reach out and link. Um, before you go, do you want to talk about your music at all? Because I know you're people don't know, but you're a fabulous singer. And I know you're on Spotify and you really have a powerful voice and you are a true country. And, um, I, you know, if you want to plug that in, go ahead. I mean, are you still doing music?
1: Yeah. So I've kind of backed off on the music a little bit. I just, I've gotten so busy with speaking, you know, I still sing at like some agriculture events, um, but I'm doing so much content traveling. I really, this year, my goal is to just get a couple of more stories from family farmers and ranchers around the United States. I'll be going to Texas um, for the cowgirl magazine awards. And so I really, you know, I haven't been able to interview in Texas cause am never there very long but I'm going to be there for four days. So I just want to get some more stories. You know, last year, Texas had a lot of fires. And so um, I want I want to be um, the best advocate that I can be. And and maybe music will will come find me. You know, after COVID, it got financially difficult, I think for a lot of artists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't agree with how many followers you have. Depends on how good you are. Um, I know a lot of songwriters that are in Nashville that kill it compared to some of these artists they're signing and so if if people want to work with me great if they think i have a great voice you know i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to try to put out some music at the end of this year um just for the followers because everybody's been asking me so i'm working on it but um i also you know have other things on my mind as well
0: i agree with you i have a a daughter who's a singer songwriter country so nashville and, and i get it you know so it's it's a tough industry um where can people find you at this point? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Connect?
1: Yeah. So, Instagram, Stephanie Nash Music, same with TikTok. Um, I'll give you my website, y'all, but don't look at it right now because it's kind of a mess. We're under construction. But when it comes back up, it'll be um, Stephanie Nash Music.com. Um, and so, we'll, we'll, probably just follow me on Instagram, and Facebook. I'll keep you updated on the website. Cause we're doing a whole bunch of stuff to it, putting some more content for the videos of the life of the farmer on there as well. And some new merchandise. Um, so yeah.
0: We so appreciate you. You have such a powerful message and, um, you know, it needs to be shared and that's why I wanted you. I've been, I've been chasing you for a while to be on my show because you know, you it just needs to be done. It just needs to be out there and um again we we appreciate it. we know you're busy and um we will post this over the next few days people will get it and um everybody you know reach out and and support stephanie she has a great great powerful message that needs to be put out there at this point we are living in a crazy world and um we just need more voices like you so again thank you so much for taking the time you have a great rest of your day and yeah. um you all just Just keep it up, follow her, and um, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Hey, everyone, it's Dave Markowitz, and thanks again for listening to our podcast, The Find Freedom Network, today. And if you're also uh, watching it on Rumble, uh, please just go ahead and follow us on there as well. And until next time, thanks again for listening, and you guys have a great rest of your day.
1: Bye. Bye.